Hey everybody, welcome to Foothills Youth Podcast. We're glad you're here. We exist to help people follow Jesus. And so all of our content, we hope, helps you do that. So make sure you subscribe, follow along with us as we post once a week the things we're talking about in our own personal youth ministry. Thanks for coming. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, this week we're jumping into a bit of a tougher topic. We are discussing the LGBTQ plus community. Now, as you get ready to listen, um, this is coming from a place of we as the church, we really feel like we just need to have conversation around this because of all of the hurt and baggage that has happened in the past between the church and this community of of people that Jesus loves so desperately. So as you get ready to listen, I just would ask and encourage you to to ask Jesus just to put your heart in a place where you are ready to experience his love so that you can share that same love with the people that he loves. And so get ready. We're glad you're here. Thanks for joining us. Without further ado, here's the podcast. Hey, Funnels Youth, welcome. We're in the attic, and it feels weird that you're not here. It, it feels even more weird that it's been like almost a year since we've all been up here. My heart's sad. We miss it. We miss you. Um, but we are here. We're, we're together, however that looks, and we're so glad. And we are jumping into a really, really heavy um, conversation today. And it's around the LGBTQ plus community. And uh, specifically how we engage with people of that community as Christians, as the church, how it's happened. And we're going we're gonna to get into it. Let me just say off the bat, though, I am very, very unqualified to be talking about this. But I felt very strongly for a long time with, that this was something that we needed to actually talk about. We needed to have conversation around I know that there is so much hurt, so much tension in this area. Potentially you are watching and you would identify as part of this community. And I just want to say thank you for being here. I want to say thank you for your patience and grace as we navigate. To be honest, the church is starting to do a little bit better of a job, but we have really not done well in the past in having conversation around this and engaging with the people of that community. Like, I'm, I'm straight, white, male. Like, I, I grew up in rural Alberta, Saskatchewan, and BC. I, I had no exposure to this topic until I was early adulthood. And, and so this for me is still like navigating just even how, like if I can be real with you, like I have a, I have a great level of fear of whenever I would or however I would engage with people of this community because straight up I didn't know how. And if I can say something off the bat, I know the question that is on all of your mind is, is being a part of this, being um, gay or, or trans or bi or you know anything else on the spectrum, is that a sin? And let me just say, I, I actually don't want to hang out there, mostly because, and this is kind of coming out of my experience, is that like if I were to say yes or no, all of a sudden you, some of you would stop listening. If I were to say no, some of you would stop listening. It creates a divide that has been a part of what we've seen in a culture war for a very long time that I actually don't think for our conversation today is going to be incredibly effective. Now, some of you have just been like, oh, why are we even doing this? 
because we need to because we've done a really terrible job at loving the people who Jesus loves so much so what we'll do is we'll jump in we'll talk about it we will give a little bit of perspective on the two points when it comes to Christianity and then we're going to get into how we respond how do we engage how do we love the people that we've done such a terrible job of loving for so long. but before I do that I want to read the Bible for you and I specifically want to look at Luke 10 and Jesus's telling of the parable of the the Good Samaritan and it's in Luke 10 verse 25 to 37 and this is what it says on one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus teacher he asked what must I do to inherit eternal life what is written in the law he replied how do you read it he answered love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself you've answered correctly Jesus replied do this and you will live but he wanted to justify himself so he asked Jesus and who is my neighbor in reply Jesus said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers they stripped him of his clothes beat him and went away leaving him half dead a priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man he passed by the other side so too a Levite when he came to the place and saw him passed by on the other side but a Samaritan as he traveled came where the man was and when he saw him he took pity on him he went to him and bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine then he put the man on his own donkey brought him to an inn and took care of him the next day he took out two denarii which is like two days wage and gave them to the innkeeper look after him he said when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber the expert in the law replied the one who had mercy on him and Jesus told him go and do the same look Fodil's youth the two people who passed by the guy who was on the side of the road they represented the church at that time a priest and a Levite the Levite who came um, and uh, from the tribe of Levi who was chosen to be a part of the priesthood who could the only people who could be priests were Levites and both of these people walked past the person who needed help and the person who stopped was the person who like in Jesus's reality was had different a different stance theologically was different culturally and seen as less than than the other two would have been and he was the stop, one who stopped looked loved and took care of them let me just make a quick statement my guess is that most of us as the church when it comes to the LGBTQ plus community we have been the people who have seen people hurt and confused and went to the other side of the road and walked by and so now other people our culture have taken up the 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 role that really we have been called to play in loving this community of people we've dropped 
the ball. So we need to get over our fear and begin and start engaging with this community. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to just give a quick definition, a few definitions. I'm going to give you just a quick flyover because literally I could spend, I've already filmed this once <laughs> and it took a lot longer. We could spend so much time on this. There's so much here. So I want to be very intentional with the places that we do hang out in. So I want to look at the, the, where some Christians stand on, these on this conversation. And then I want to get into the engagement piece. Um, I think that's really the most important part. So there is what we would call a historical perspective and a progressive sp perspective when it comes to sexual ethic or, or what, how we view the things around uh, sex. And so the historical would hold that marriage is meant for a man and a woman and only for those two. And there's a lot more there. And the progressive would say that the actual ethic has changed. Like what Jesus said when he was alive, that sort of changed just like slavery and a few of these other really big issues that we've seen great transformation happen and that are really wrong. Um, begin to become like less socially acceptable that were perhaps in Jesus's time. So to the point where we find ourselves today where they would say, uh, actually, you know, we actually, there's, there's arguments for um, these things being biblically okay, whereas the traditional or the historical, sorry, would say actually um, what Jesus does is actually tightens the belt on, on the sexual ethics when, when in, in his teaching rather than loosens versus the slavery and other sort of topics. So um, those are the two I could share with you where I land on this. I don't know how helpful it would be for this certain conversation. I know I wanted to avoid the whether or not we think this is a sin. So we can talk about this um, for sure another time. But here's what we need to do. Here's what we need to realize is many people fall on one side or the other and it's just not as simple as coming to the table and talking about it logically trying to come to some argument to discover or uh, uncover the truth of this conversation I think the question that we need to be asking is this is are or how are we engaging with those that Jesus has called us to engage with to love to welcome into our community to 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 show and reveal Jesus to these people who have in the name of Jesus been shown a very different experience. Because here's the reality. Here's what love is. And this is what Dallas Willard says. Love is to literally want and will to good. To actually promote somebody else for their sake alone. Oh, so much of what we do, we do for ourselves. We need to get, we need to wrap our head around this idea of what love is. So those who would find, so, so as we um, now have kind of engaged with where the church has landed and, and, and lands today, and you can see this expressed in, in the church here in Calgary as well, where people find themselves. Um, the community itself, the, the LGBTQ plus community, there's, there's many, uh, many facets to, to these people, but here's where I really want to land on some of this is um, I want to define biological sex, gender, and, and gender dysphoria and transsexual, because the other two, lesbian, uh, gay, and bi, those are, those are attraction and I don't want to oversimplify a very complex thing, but um, the, the attraction to uh, a member of the opposite sex or both. And so 
to look more so in the transsexual side of things, I, would, I think we need to define what biological sex is. And so that is a male or female referring to chromosomes, um, sex hormones, internal re reproductive anatomy, biological, what you have. Um, gender, the f psychological, social, and culture aspects of being male or female. And then there's this, this thing called gender identity which is how you experience yourself or think of yourself as a male or female, including how masculine or feminine a person feels. And then dysphoria. This is a lot, I get it, but you can come back and watch this if you want to. I still think it's important to hit. Gender dysphoria, which is the experience of distress associated with the confusion wherein one's psychological and emotional gender identity does not match one's biological sex. How they feel does not match like what they have, to put it in simpler terms. And then in that same conversation, transsexual is a person who believes that he or she was born in the wrong body of the other sex and wishes to transition or has transitioned through hormonal treatment and sex reassignment surgery. But here's the huge thing I need you to understand in all of this. These sort of concerns or these experiences or circumstances with gender dysphoria are not one thing experienced in exactly the same way by all people everywhere who experience it. It's just not. We cannot put, say, your experience, somebody who experiences gender dysphoria is exactly the same as somebody else who experiences it. It's just not true. It just is not the, it's not the, um, the case. But here's Here's where we see like this transitioning thing, why people find it to be the solution to some of the questions is because the questions that are being answered in that are these. It's questions about their identity and community in a way that truly resonates with a person's psychological and emotional experience of their gender identity. And that's from a guy named Mark Yearhouse. Do you hear that? Identity and community, who I am, where do I belong? I think these are foundational questions to the entire human experience, but specifically the people that we are talking about. This is where their, their circumstances are incredibly difficult, especially when we mix the church in and these conversations with these people. Here's what somebody, um, a, a lady named Kyla Gillespie, now Kyla was was um, she actually transitioned twice once from male she, she was born female transitioned to male and then transitioned back to female she met Jesus she's encountered and that's a big part of her story but this is what she says about these people who are experiencing gender dysphoria they're not projects walking around that we need to work on they are people that the church has mistreated desperately we need to love them so let me just take a breath. Let's pause for a second. You might be feeling some tension, whether it's because you are all the things that maybe your parents have said, your culture has said, the things that you believing are coming into contact or like starting to bash heads. You're, you're feeling that tension of one side or the other. Let me just say this real quick so that we can keep going together. When it comes to something that you disagree or agree on, but you want to um, engage with it, Here's something that I think that Preston Sprinkle puts really, really well. He says, listening doesn't necessarily mean agreeing, but 
You can't disagree until you actually understand what it is you are disagreeing with. Real dialogue in search of the truth only happens when people on both sides of a conversation are willing to hear all the evidence, even evidence that threatens to change their minds. You cannot be proven right unless you take the risk of being proven wrong. So maybe you find yourself feeling the tension of that historical perspective that you, uh, or, or, or uh, the traditional um, ethic that you, you, are, you hold, or maybe you feel you land more on the progressive side of things. We need to come together. We need to listen to each other and to this community. That is so important in this moment right now. Our engagement as the church, if we don't listen, nobody will listen. They won't listen to you, no matter what you think or what you believe. We need, we need to sit down and listen, to listen to people's experiences. Because guess what? You probably don't understand theirs. You probably don't. I don't. And this was such a relief for me because for me, I had so much fear when, when it came to engaging with the people of this community because I straight up didn't know how. I saw it as an argument. I saw it as something they were doing. This is my experience. Let me just share my experience. They were doing something wrong. This is what I've been told. And so I was, my role as somebody in the church was to fix them. One thing, I don't fix anybody. Only Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior of the world, creator of the world, can heal fully anybody. I am not the hero of the story. You are not the hero of this story. Jesus is the hero of this story. And when it comes to just having any level of relationship and listening, oh, that's the key. You get that? You're on your way. Because here's the thing. It's love, not logic that contains more power in demonstrating the credibility of your view, whatever it might be. If you don't love somebody, people will not listen to you, no matter what you hold. Until Christians can show compassion and empathy towards people of the LGBTQ plus people, our views will not carry much weight. Until we can show compassion and empathy our ethics will feel cold and depersonalized, detached from the lives of very real people. Compassion without truth is empty, and truth without compassion is lifeless and powerless in an age of justice. And that's coming from Sprinkle again. What we need is both, because the gospel demands both. Faithful allegiance to God's intention for human sexuality and radical love extended to the marginalized. So. Here's what I want to do in the last little bit of our time together. We've done a very quick flyover. Remember, this is quick. So these next points that I want to hit for us are things that we can move together with some tools, some ways, uh, a path forward, if you will, um, in engaging. And these are from um, a guy, again, Mark Yarhouse, his book on gender dysphoria was incredibly helpful for me. Um, so feel free to read it. But here's, here's where we need to go from and to. We need to go from a model that the church has had that says you need to behave first, then you believe, and then you belong to the community. I think a lot of um, 
I think the people who walked by the Samaritan and didn't help, that's probably a, a position that they held. That if you get your behavior in order, then you believe in Jesus, then you belong to the community of God. He says, we need to get rid of that. We need to transform that. We actually need to have a model where people belong first. They're invited, they're welcomed by Jesus himself. Then they believe in the Savior, in him, the person of Jesus Christ, and then they become. Then they become, by the power of the Spirit, the people that Jesus created them to be. Their identity is secure in him. They begin to be transformed the way they think, the way they feel, the way they love, by the love of Jesus himself. They belong, they believe, they become. We need to be a youth ministry that it just lives this out so well. And we need to, so that we can actually be safe places for people to share their experiences, to listen, to walk with. And if we're going to do this well at all, here's a few things we need to do. We need to have clarity. We need to have clear, thoughtful reflection on biblical perspectives on gender and sex. We need to think through this. If you're going off of what you read on Twitter, stop it because you're uninformed. <laughs> you need to do your research. You need to, like, I, part of my fear was just the fact that I didn't know anything. I had little to no knowledge about people of this community and their experiences. I saw them as projects, not people. I was dead wrong. We need clarity. We need thoughtful reflection on biblical perspectives. We need to be relational incredibly relationally, overly relational. We need to learn how to value others from and, and, and actually form and create relationships in a diverse and pluralistic culture that says so many things and sustain those relationships while living faithfully to God. All of these things. We need to be relational. We need to have clarity and we need humility. I actually think I would probably put this as number one in our list. We need to be humble. We need greater humility about what we know and what we don't know. You need to be okay being wrong. But if you're right, you need to handle that with greater humility. We need an a environment of sanctification, growth and spiritual maturity, a understanding that it is a long process with space grace and patience and we need social support we need to pray for and with people navigating this incredibly complex hurtful hurting sorry isolated terrain as well as to identify and follow through on practical needs I just want to read for you um, something that that Kyla in her experience shared about people who are, her perspective experiencing and walking through um, being a part of this community and what her experience was and hopefully this will inform you, our response to those people. So one, it's a very lonely place. It's really hard. We need to, people need to come with compassion. Dysphoria is real. These are people who see themselves as not created properly. These are people who see themselves as not created properly. Don't come with arrogance. Meet them in their place, hear their story, hear their heart. These are people who are worthy, accepted, loved, and treasured.
of Jesus. We need to come with this love and not shame. We can't afford to spread a story of shame to these people because here's what shame does. It is the experience emotionally, psychologically, of believing yourself to be inadequate in ways that lead you to reject yourself. It hides itself from others thinking that if anybody else knew about the person, they too would be rejected. We need to be living in a space and place that all of the things we've talked about express a clear and unambiguous yes to the grace and mercy that comes from Jesus Christ. So let me leave you with a few questions. How have you engaged with this community? How are you being called to love these people? Where have you dropped the ball in loving other people? And what does Jesus have to say to you in all of this? So thank you. I know this is super heavy. There's so much here. And probably places and times that you were like, why can't we just talk a little bit more about that? And I feel you. We're already getting to this being pretty long. So I would just encourage you, go and find clarity. Go thoughtfully reflect on the biblical perspective on all of this, but also listen to the people who are walking through these experiences themselves. Bless you, Lord Jesus. What I have said now, I pray you would just let land in our hearts and our souls so that we might love those who you love better. May we think through thoughtfully, carefully. May we be relational. May we come with great humility. Continue to make us like you. We pray all of this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for joining us this week on our podcast. We hope this episode was helpful for you. And as always, we will see you next week.